السلام لا من لا نبي بعده لا نبي بعده ولا أمة بعد أمته ولا كتاب بعد كتابه ولا شريعة بعد شريعته أما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم إن عدة الشهور عند الله إثنى عشر شهرا في كتاب الله يوم خلق السماوات والأرض منها أربعة حرم ذلك الدين القيم فلا تظلموا فيهن أنفسكم وقاتل المشركين كافة كما يقاتلونكم كافة واعلموا أن الله مع المتقين وقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم إن الزمان قد استدارك هيئته يوم خلق الله السماوات والأرض السنة إثنى عشر شهرا منها أربعة حرم ثلاث متواليات ذو القعدة وذو الحجة والمحرم ورجب مضرر الذي بين جمادى وشعبان صدق الله صدق الله العظيم وصدق رسول الكريم ونحن على ذلك لمن الشاهدين والشاكرين والحمد لله رب العالمين We have by the grace of Allah تبارك وتعالى entered into the new Islamic year But if you look at us entering into the new Islamic year it is unlike the way the non-Muslims enter into the Islamic year How a Muslim enters into an Islamic year is contrary to that of a disbeliever why? Because a Muslim understands that there is an Allah which one has to serve. There is an Allah which one is answerable to. And therefore, he will conduct differently. He will look at every single step of his, every single moment of his, whether it is celebration, whether it is when somebody passes away, mourning, etc., and when a child is born, etc. What does Islam say? What does my Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam say? What does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say with regards to this? How should I conduct in this regard? What does Allah ta'ala want me to do in this regard? So with the advent of the new Islamic year, what are we required to do? How should we conduct as Muslims? So number one is one, we should firstly understand the Islamic history. If we don't understand the Islamic history, 
then how is it that we are just going to celebrate the new Islamic year and not understand from where is the history of Islam, what, what, is, what is our standpoint with regards to this, this month of Muharram in as far as our Islamic history is concerned. So the Islamic calendar starts in Muharram. And why specifically Muharram? Why didn't it start in Ramadan? Why didn't it start in Safar? Why didn't it start in Rajab or any other month? There is reason for that. And it, the reason for that is very easy to understand. When Sayyidina Umar radiallahu ta'ala was the Khalifa, he was the leader of the faithful, the leader of the believers. Abu Musa Ash'ari radiallahu ta'ala sent some letters to Sayyidina Umar radiallahu ta'ala and in that there, were, there was some correspondence between them and Sayyidina Abu Musa Ash'ari radiallahu ta'ala sent a letter to him, wrote a letter to him, a reply to him saying, you know, I, re, I, re, I receive all your letters but when I receive your letters, in those letters of yours, they are not dated, there's no date upon them. So for example, if you are asking me to execute a certain matter within two weeks, I have no idea whether the two weeks has lapsed or whether the two weeks is yet to begin. Why? Because I have no, uh, uh, there is no date on your letters. So then Sayyidina Abu Musa Ashari then asked him to please co communicate and form a mashura with the Sahaba and how they are going to form the Islamic year. So Sayyidina Umar as we know, as Jalali as Sayyidina Umar was, but when he came to the mashura of the Sahaba radiallahu ta'ala when he came to the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, kana waqafan in the kitab Allah. Sayyidina Umar radiallahu ta'ala would stop, would pause abruptly, immediately when he comes to the command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Maybe he may have had a different opinion with regards to a certain matter. But when the command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was put before him, then his difference, his opinion was thrown out the window, so to say. And what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants from him, that's what he conducted, that's what he carried out. So then he, call, he called the Sahaba radiallahu ta'ala and they convened the meeting, they held the mashura and they said, they decided on the matter. They, and amongst the days that the Sahaba radiallahu ta'ala chose or suggested that it should begin from, the Islamic year should begin from, was from the birth of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And then the other was from the time Rasulullah sallallahu received prophethood from his nabuwat. And the other opinion was, was from the hijra when Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam migrated to Medina Munora. And the other opinion was from the demise of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. If you look at all these four dates, they are all very important dates in Islam, in our Islamic calendar. But then in order not to blur the lines, in order not to confuse anything, all of them are very, very, very significant. But then in order for those days and for those dates not to become something that we are now holding on to only and leaving out the importance of the events on those days. Sayyidina Umar radiallahu ta'ala said with regards to the birth of Rasulullah sallallahu being the day in which the Islamic calendar will start. He said this is the way of the Christians because they believe that Isa alayhi salatu salam, the day in which he was born, then that's the day that they started their calendar. So he said, no, we have to oppose the ways of the, the Christians. And then and as far as Rasulullah sallam receiving prophethood, he did not favor this opinion as well. And then as far as migration also is concerned, then so he left this as, as one of those possible dates. And then the fourth one was the demise of Rasulullah sallam. And, and, and as far as this is concerned, he said, this was the greatest blow to the ummah. And this was the day in which the Ummah suffered the greatest loss. It cannot be a day in which we say this is where the Islamic calendar starts. So the, the meeting was adjourned and there wasn't any decision, concrete decision that was made. So then they carried on. Then after some time, Adam, Sahaba radiallahu ta'ala decided, okay, this day should be the, the date of Hijrah should be the, 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 from where the Islamic calendar starts. So that was agreed upon. But then at that point again, there was another problem that, okay, we agree that we will all start 
in, in from the day in which Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam made Hijrah. But which month now? Which month should we start the year from? So then it was decided that it should be Muharram. And this was also the qawl and the opinion of Sayyidina Uthman radiallahu ta'ala anhu and Sayyidina Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu. They convened to this. They said, okay, this is the better option of all. So then it was decided that Muharram will be the date. And then how now does this become the specific date? Muharram this month become? Because we well know that Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam arrived in Madinah Munawra in Rabiul Awwal. So then as far as this being chosen, the Muharram being chosen as the month in which Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa made Hijrah. So the ulama explained that in the 13th year of Hijrah, the Ansar radiallahu ta'ala met, met Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa told him that I need assistance etc. I need to come to Madinah Munora. Can you provide, provide me with a place to stay? So then they provided him and this was on the 10th of Dhul Hijjah and this was obviously the day of Eid. After that they completed their Hajj rituals and they went back to Madinah Munora. When Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam went back to Madinah Munawwara, he said to the Sahaba radiallahu he gave them permission that we are now allowed to make hijrah, I will also be making hijrah. So from there on, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam made the intention that he will make hijrah and he began commanding the Sahaba radiallahu ta'ala or rather the Sahaba radiallahu ta'ala began making hijrah from, Madi, from Makkah Mukarramah to Madinah Munawwara. So this then became the month in which the, the Islamic calendar began in, Muharram specifically. So then another question may arise, how many months are they in Islam? Because we well know in as far as the, the solar calendar is concerned, there are 12 months. So in as far as the lunar calendar, the Islamic calendar is concerned, there are 12 months. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions in the Quran Majid that the number of months in accordance to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is 12. And amongst those 12 months, four of them are sacred, apart from Ramadan obviously, Four of them are sacred. Number one is Rajab, Dhul Qaada, Dhul Hijjah, and Muharram. These three, Dhul Qaada, the last three, Dhul Qaada, Dhul Hijjah, and Muharram come in succession. But then Rajab comes somewhere in, in the middle. It is the seventh month of the Islamic calendar. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then mentions after that, فَلَا تَظْلِمُوا أَنفُسَكُمْ فِيهِنَّ Do not oppress yourself in these months. So does it mean that a person can sin out of the months of, uh, out of the sacred months? Obviously it does not mean that. Why? Because we well know that sin out of the sacred months is also still remains sin. The difference is that the sin that is committed in the month that is sacred, it is more multiplied, it is more, the, the, the crime is more serious, the, the crime is more aggravated. The Mufassirin also echo the same sentiment in as far as a person sinning in the months, in the sacred months, and they say, it does not mean that a person can sin out of the months of, out of the sacred months. Just like how we understand that when a person goes to the Haramein, Sharifain, the Salahs, etc. are multiplied and the good deeds, the reward for good deeds are multiplied. So similarly, the sin is also multiplied in severity. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will take a person to task for that. And as a matter of fact, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala warns us about this and He tells us you ought to respect the salient features, the times, the places of Islam. And He says, وَمَنْ يُعَذِّمْ شَاعِرَ اللَّهِ فَإِنَّهَا مِنْ الْقُلُوبِ That the person will honor any of the salient features of Islam, then it is a sign that this person has taqwa, has the fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in his heart. So then in the 10th day of Hijrah, when Rasulullah came for Hajj, it was according to the old ways. When Nabi went for Hajj in the 10th day of Hijrah, it was according to the old ways. But then the following year, then, then the following year, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam commanded Abu Bakr radiallahu to become the Amir. So then when Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa then went again for Hajj during his sermon in Mina, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa mentioned that the year has returned into the form, into the 
into the original state that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has, has commanded, meaning in accordance to the Quran Majid. So now Rajab is Rajab in the true sense of the word as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has, has created on the day he created the sky. Muharram is Muharram. It is exactly as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created the days, the, the, the earth. So it is in total conformity. So then that is why that is another reason that the Sahaba radiallahu ta'ala chose Hijrah to be the beginning part of the Islamic calendar and Muharram in more specific. But then we need to understand what is it that, or the question arises again, what is it that makes Muharram so special? What makes Muharram so special? Sayyidina Hassan Basri radiallahu rahimahullah mentions that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala begins and he ends the year with two sacred months. He ends the year with Dhul Hijjah and he begins the year with Muharram. So a person ought to do more good deeds in these two months. And another great luminary of our, of our Islamic family, of our Islamic religion, Sayyidina Ibn, Ibn Rajab, rahimahullah, he mentions that what makes the month of Muharram so sacred is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala obviously begins it and he ends it with a, a sacred month that is the Dhul Hijjah, it ends with Dhul Hijjah and it begins with Muharram. But then he mentions together with that, that the person who begins, who ends the month, the year, with ibadah, the acts of worship, and then he begins the following year with acts of worship, the interim is considered, he is considered to be a person who is involved in ibadah right through. Just like we understand when we are coming to the masjid, he takes it from somewhere, obviously he cannot say something of his own accord. So just like we know that when a person enters the masjid, obviously there is an act of ibadah. Whilst he is waiting until he reads the salah, he is, although he is considered to be a person who is in salah. So he takes it from there. So then he mentions this is another reason that makes the month of Muharram so sacred. And together with that, he mentions that what makes it so special is the message of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala described Muharram as the month of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And another reason is the message of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, the best fasting after the month of Ramadan is the sacred month of Muharram, the sacred month of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then the third reason he cites is the message of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, in it is the day of Ashura, the fasting of the day of Ashura. I hope that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will expiate thereby, thereby the sins of the, of the year that will come. So then from here we understand how sacred is the month of Muharram. In the month of Muharram we have the day of Ashura. So what is the history then of the month of Ashura, of the day of Ashura? So the day of Ashura, when Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa came to Medina Munawwara, and as a matter of fact, before that, when Nabi sallallahu was still in Makkah Mukarramah, he observed that the Arabs also used to fast the day of Ashura. So he also used to fast the day of Ashura. So the ulama explained that what could be the reason that they were fasting on the day of Ashura. So they say that Jude, they were followers of the deen of Ibrahim alayhi salatu wasalam. So they obviously knew of the history of Musa alayhi salatu wasalam and all the other anbiya alayhi salatu wasalam that they used to fast on this day. So then Nabi Sallallahu also used to fast. But then together with that, when Nabi Sallallahu went to Medina Munawwara, he observed that the Jews were fasting on this day and the Christians were fasting on this day. So he inquired for them that what is your reason for fasting on this day? So they said to Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam that this is the day in which Allah Subhanahu on which Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala saved Musa Salam and his nation from drowning and he drowned Fir'aun. And this is the very same day in which Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala saved Nuh Salam and it was on that day that the, the, the ark of Nuh Salam settled on the Mount Judy. So in appreciation we are also fasting like how Musa والسلام, and Nuh also fasted on this day. But then when Nabi observed this, he encouraged the Sahaba عنهم, to fast this day as well. This was obviously prior to Ramadan being made further upon the Muslims. When Ramadan was made further upon the Muslims, 
Then Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam told the Sahaba radiallahu ta'ala that whoever wishes to fast on this day may fast and whoever wishes not to fast may not fast. In other words, it is not farad. Once Sayyidina Muawiyah radiallahu ta'ala anhu was on hajj and he addressed the people, the congregants of, of hajj and he says, Aina ulama'ukum, aina ulama'ukum, where are your scholars, where are your scholars? So then the people looked at him strange and he said to them that I am fasting today but it is not wajib, it is not farad. But it is a sunnah of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. In other words, the ulama explained that why was he expressing this? He noticed that people were not observing fast. Were not observing fast on this day. So in order to reiterate, it was Umrah, sorry, not Hajj. So in order to reiterate and to show the importance of this day, Sayyidina Muawiyah radiallahu ta'ala encouraged the people then asked them that where are your ulama? They should have been telling you about the virtues of this day of fasting on this day. So that was as far as the background of this day is concerned. And in the general fasting of this day, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam mentions that the most virtuous fast after the fast of Ramadan are those of the month of Muharram. So we should we also should try, maybe not every single day, but we should also try and fast in the month of Muharram, just so that we may receive the many benefits that are kept in the month of Muharram as well. What are the virtues of the day of Ashura? Now, in as far as Ashura is concerned, there are many misconceptions with this regard. Many people understand it to be the day in which Sayyidina Hussein radiallahu ta'ala was martyred, so it, it gives it importance. So people mourn on this day, they do all other unnecessary uh, customs which are totally against Islam. But remember one thing, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam told, told us that the passing away and the being born of a person, of a certain person on a certain day, does not add any splendor, does not add any value to any specific day. When the son of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Ibrahim radiallahu ta'ala passed away, then the Sahaba radiallahu ta'ala observed that on that day there was a lunar eclipse. So then they said, oh, well, this is a sign that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is showing that a great personality has passed away. Nabi sallallahu addressed this misconception and he told him that the eclipsing of the, of the, of the moon has nothing to do, of the, of the sun, has nothing to do with the passing away of my son. These two phenomena, or the lunar eclipse and the solar eclipse, does not happen just because of somebody passing away or somebody being born. It is the signs, it is amongst the signs of the signs of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So from this we also understand that whenever somebody passes away and it actually happens to concur or to conform, to conf to conform with a, with a day that is of reverence, then it has nothing, then, then that passing, that person's passing away, doesn't add splendor to that day. Because that day was important before Sayyidina Hussein radiallahu ta'ala passed away and it will remain important even after him. But not necessarily because Sayyidina Hussein radiallahu ta'ala passed away. Obviously the way in which Sayyidina Hussein radiallahu ta'ala passed away is very gruesome. He was murdered, mercilessly murdered. And it obviously he is dear to all of us because he's the grandson of Rasulullah we ought to feel pain. But Nabi Sallallahu doesn't teach us to mourn perpetually. We mourn and we finish it. And if it was so that we were to mourn perpetually, then the person who ought to be mourned perpetually was Nabi Sallallahu himself, because he was greater, obviously, than Sayyidina Hussein radiallahu ta'ala. So we should be mourning Rasulullah Sallallahu forever then in that case. But we do not do that as well. Because why Islam teaches us i'tidal, teaches us to be level-headed and teaches us to be understanding that we will not do things that are unsanctioned in the Sharia. And over and above that, if you say that we are identifying with the pain of Sayyidina Hussein radiallahu ta'ala on that day, then what about Umar radiallahu ta'ala He was also murdered mercilessly. 
What about Uthman radiallahu ta'ala? He was also murdered mercilessly. What about Hamza radiallahu ta'ala? He was also murdered mercilessly. So then who then will mourn all these people and all the other people and all other great luminaries of Islam who gave away their lives for the sake of Islam so that you and I today can be recited of the kalima? Then who will mourn those people? If we are saying that only this single particular person who is a great personality, obviously, the grandson of Rasulullah and also a sahabi of Rasulullah so then we ought to understand things in perspective. Islam is not about emotionalism. Islam is a very rational religion. And we ought to bring rationale in whatever we are doing. That doesn't mean that we should look at what is the wisdom behind a certain act. Because now a person will ask, then what is the wisdom behind us reading three rakats, etc. Then you start questioning everything about Islam. But wherever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and Rasul have provided guidelines, we follow those guidelines exactly and to the best or to the best of our ability. And wherever we don't have those guidelines, we follow the ulama in that regard. But then we will not add our own things. And as far as mourning the Sahaba radiallahu ta'ala, that is, this is incorrect. And then together with this is the day, obviously, the virtue of Ashura. Nabi sallallahu mentioned that it will expiate the sins of the coming year. And the person who spends on his family, the person who spends on his, on his family, ex, uh, he spends a little bit extra on his family on that day. Not extravagant, who spends a little bit extra, is not extravagant. There is no such thing as the gifts of Ashura in Islam. It is totally against Sharia as well. If you want to give a person a gift, you may give him, but don't specify the day of Ashura to give a person a gift. You may give him on any other day. It is, as a matter of fact, it is encouraged. Nabi Sassam mentions, Tahadu Tahabu, that give one another gifts, you will love one another. But don't stipulate this day of Ashura for, the, for, for this action of giving. And in as far as the risk of a person being increased for spending on his family, the narrators of this hadith say we have tried this and we have found it to be true. And Sufyan Nuyena rahimahullah, he says, I've been doing this for 50 to 60 years and I found it to be true. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us tawfiq. May we also try and be amongst those who follow the hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu not only to test it out, but number one is to we have conviction in it. It's 100% true. And then number two, to see the benefits of the hadith of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, like these people had seen as well. May Allah tabarak wa ta'ala grant us tawfiq wa akhir da'wan. Alhamdulillah. Rabbil Allahu Akbar. Allahu Akbar. Allahu Akbar. Allahu Akbar. Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah, Ghafir Dhanbi Qabili Tawbi Shadidi Qab, 
واشهد ان لا اله الا الله القائل والذين اذا فعلوا فاحشه او ظلموا انفسهم ذكروا الله فاستغفروا لذنوبهم ومن يغفر الذنوب الا الله ولم يسروا على ما فعلوا وهم يعلمون واشهد ان سيدنا وحبيبنا محمد عبده ورسوله القائل يا ايها يا ايها يا ايها الناس ايها الناس توبوا الى الله واستغفروا فان يتوب الى الله في اليوم 100 مره عباد الله اوصيكم ونفسي ولم بتق الله ومراقبته بالليل والنهار فهو القائل يا ايها الناس اتقوا ربكم الذي خلقكم من نفس واحده وخلق منها زوجها وبث منهما رجالا كثيرا ونساء واتقوا الله الذي تساءلون به والارham ان الله كان عليكم رقيبا عباد الله ماذا بعد الصحه الا السقم ماذا بعد البقاء الا الفناء ماذا بعد الشباب الا الهرم ماذا بعد الحياه الا الممات اخوه الايمان انما مرض القلوب من الذنوب واصل العافيه ان نتوب التوبه وما ادراكم التوبه التوبه باب الامل التوبه باب مفتوح التوبه دموع حاره يقول الله تبارك وتعالى نبئ عبادي اني انا الغفور الرحيم ايها المسلمون قد يقول قائل لماذا نتوب ما هي معاصينا ما هي جرائمنا فالله سبحانه وتعالى يقول وتوب الى الله جميعا ايها المؤمنون لعلكم تفلحون نتوب يا عباد الله لان الله يحب التوابين ويحب 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 التوابين ويحب الاوابين ويحب المستغفرين هل اتاكم خبر التاب من بني اسرائيل اوحى الله سبحانه وتعالى لموسى عليه الصلاه والسلام ان وليا من اوليائي مات في ارض كذا فذهب لي وغسل وكفن وصل عليه وادفنه لانه جارك في الجنه فوجده موسى عليه الصلاه والسلام ميتا في خرابه وميتا في خرابه وليس عند واحد ولا يملك شيئا من الدنيا وفوق هذا اثنى الناس عليه شر واتهموه بالفسق والاسيان امتثل موسى عليه الصلاه والسلام امر الاله وقال يا رب الناس يذكرون هذا الرجل بالشر فهو الله سبحانه وتعالى لموسى صدق عبادي ونعلم منه بما لا يعلمون ولكنه لما دنت وفاته ناداني بخمس كلمات وقد غفرت له بها فقال موسى عليه الصلاه والسلام وما هن قال الله تبارك وتعالى يا موسى الكلمه الاولى انه قال يا رب انت اعلم اني احب الصالحين ولست منهم والثانيه يا رب انت تعلم اني ابغض الفاسقين وان كنت فاسقا والثالثه يا رب لو اعلم ان دخولي الجنه ينقص من ملكك شيئا لما سالتك جنتك والرابعه يا رب لو اعلم ان دخولي الجنه نار دخولي النار يزيد في ملكك شيئا لما سالتك التعوذ منها والخامسه يا رب ان لم تكن ترحمني انت فمن يرحمني سواك فرحمته يا موسى افكان يليك بكرمي ان ارده خائبا وقد تكلم بهذه الكلمات عفوت عنه وغفرت له وانا الغفور الرحيم الحمد لله الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونؤمن به ونتوكل عليه ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا من سيئات اعمالنا من يهدي الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له ونشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له ونشهد ان سيدنا ومولانا محمدا عبده ورسوله صلى الله تعالى عليه وعلى اله وصحبه وبارك وسلم اما بعد فيا ايها الناس اتقوا الله تعالى في السر والعلن وذروا الفواحش ما ظهر منها وما بطن وحافظوا للجمع والجماعه ووطنوا انفسكم على السمع والطاعه واعلموا ان الله امركم بامر بدا فيه بنفسه ثم ثنى بملائكه القدس ثم ثلث بالمؤمنين من بريه جنه وانسه فقال تبجيلا لقد حبيبي وتعظيما ان الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي يا ايها الذين امنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما وقال لي صلاه وسلام البخيل من ذكرت عنده فلم يصلي عليه وقال لي صلاه وسلام من صلى علي واحده صلى الله عليه عشره اللهم فصل وسلم وبارك على حب خلقك اليك واكرم من لديك سيدنا ومولانا محمد وعلي وصحبه وتابعيه كما تحب وترضى عدد ما تحب وترضى وارض اللهم ان ابي بكر صديق نبيك من قال في حقه رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم 
لو كنت متخذا خليلا لاتخذت ابا بكر خليلا رضي الله تعالى عنه ورضى الله من ان الناطق بالصدق والصواب من قال في حق سيد الجن والبشر لو كان بعدي نبي لكان عمر رضي الله تعالى عنه ورضى الله من مد ان كامل الحياه والايمان من قال في حق سيد ولدي عدنان لكل نبي رفيق في الجنه ورفيقي في عثمان بن عفان رضي الله تعالى عنه ورضى الله من مركز الولايه والقضاء من قال في حق النبي الاواه من كنت مولاه فعلي مولاه رضي الله تعالى عنه ورضى الله من ان السيدين ريحانتي سيد الكونين من قال في حقهما سيد الكونين سيدا شباب اهل الجنه الحسن والحسين رضي الله تعالى عنهما ورضى الله من امهما فاطمه الزهراء من قال في حقها رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم سيده نساء اهل الجنه فاطمه رضي الله تعالى عنها ورضى الله من جميع صحابه خصوصا معاويه ورضى الله من بناته ان بناته زينب رقيه وام كلثوم فاطمه ونزاج خصوصا خديجه وعائشه وحفصه رضي الله تعالى عنهن وانمين بيك ابي عمر الحمزه بالفضل العباس رضي الله تعالى عنه وعن كل صحابه اجمعين عباد الله رحمكم الله ان الله يمر بالعدل والاحسان وايتاء ذي القربى عن الفحشاء والمنكر والبغي يعظكم لعلكم تذكرون فقال تبارك وتعالى فاذكروني اذكركم واشكروا لي ولا تكفرون حي على الصلاة حي على الفلاح قد قامت الصلاة قد قامت الصلاة الله أكبر الله أكبر لا إله إلا الله الله أكبر الحمد لله رب العالمين الرحمن الرحيم مالك يوم الدين إياك نعبد وإياك نستعين اهدنا الصراط المستقيم صراط الذين أنعمت عليهم غير المغضوب عليهم ولا الضالين والضحى والليل إذا سجى ما ودعك ربك وما قلى وللآخرة خير لك من الأولى ولسوف يعطيك ربك فترضى ألم يجدك يتيما فآوى ووجدك ضالا فهدى ووجدك عائلا فأغنى فأما اليتيم فلا تقهر وأما السائل فلا تنهر وأما بنعمة ربك فحدث الله أكبر سمع الله لمن حمده الله أكبر الله أكبر الله أكبر الله أكبر الحمد لله رب العالمين الرحمن الرحيم مالك يوم الدين إياك نعبد وإياك نستعين اهدنا الصراط المستقيم صراط الذين أنعمت عليهم غير المغضوب عليهم ولا الضالين ألم نشرح لك صدرك ووضعنا عنك وزرك 
الذي أنقض ظهرك ورفعنا لك ذكرك فإن مع العسر يسرا إن مع العسر يسرا فإذا فرغت فانصب وإلى ربك فارغب الله أكبر سمع الله لمن حمده الله أكبر الله أكبر الله أكبر الله أكبر السلام عليكم ورحمة الله السلام عليكم ورحمة الله اللهم تسلم تسلم تبارك هذا الجلال الإكرام اللهم إن لا ذكر وشكر حسن عبادك اللهم أتي نفوسنا تقواها وزكاهم تقيا وزكاهم دولي اللهم أصلح لنا شأننا كله لا تكلنا لأنفسنا طرفة عين ربنا لا تزل قلوبنا بعد ذلك لهم لنا من الدنيا اللهم إننا نسألك من خير ما سألك من نبيك محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم ونعوذ بك من شر ما استعاذك من نبيك محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم أنت المستعان عليك البلاغ ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله جزا الله أن محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم ما هو أهله سبحان ربك رب العزة عما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين الحمد لله